For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, Raider Nation. Welcome to another edition of the Believe in Raiders podcast from the Believe Podcast Network. I'm Dennis Agron. Pleased to be joined by former Raider great Stanford route. Stan, another week. The Raiders making headlines once again for all the wrong reasons. Oh, my goodness. Don't even get me started on that, DA. Uh, like I said, very disturbing what I saw Monday. And you're the one who sent me the text message. Uh, obviously, like I said, I like the signing of Deshaun Jackson. I think that's going to go ahead and provide that downfield deep threat that the Raiders are going to miss with the departure of Henry Ruggs. But then we see another former first round pick go ahead and exiting the front doors of the uh, facility out there in Las Vegas. And that right there to me is very disturbing. And I'll go ahead and just hop right in. And it it's really frustrating it's very frustrating, DA, and I say this because this is from a 38-year-old man's perspective. And when I look and I see what I saw in the Instagram post that pretty much was the final straw after already coming in uh, from a first-round pick from Ohio State, not necessarily lighting the world on fire no. when you're in the game, showing that, you know what, maybe the Raiders kind of reach with that pick, things like that. So that's already notwithstanding. But, you know, the reason why it's the most frustrating is because we have been fighting a stigma. We've been fighting a certain level of prejudice. We've been fighting a certain level of stereotype for <laughs> beginning of time. And when you grow up as a young African-American or a minority in this country, we don't always come from well-to-do backgrounds, affluent backgrounds. We usually come from backgrounds that we would like to improve or get away from altogether. And then we finally do that. And then it's like we do certain things, little things, to almost try to put ourselves back there. And I think that's where, number one, for me, from a 38-year-old man's standpoint, that's what is infuriating. Because like my this I feel like I'm my 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 father, 71 years old. Uh, I feel like I'm I'm literally speaking his words right now. You got a golden opportunity and you're squandering it away because you want to show everybody how down you are, how real you are, how hood you are, how you are real inward you are. Man, f all that. Like, screw all that. You got a job to do. You're getting paid millions of dollars to do it. So you want to go ahead and continue to have that great life that you've created for yourself. Oh, yeah, and your family. Mom, dad, grandparents, girlfriend, wife, kids, whatever. And so it's extremely frustrating when I see that because it's all unnecessary. And then the need to go and put it on social media to show everybody, hey, 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 look at me. I got guns. Like, I know how to use guns. Pull up on me. Here's my address. Uh, 
like like da you don't even really want to you don't want to hear the extent of my uh frustration just because i think it's all unnecessary and i just think that i mean did anybody not watch the documentary on netflix with aaron hernandez did anybody not remember how everything transpired with aaron hernandez promising career in new england patriots obviously we saw that he had those issues even throughout high school throughout college his days at the university of florida things like that and then he wound up in prison and then he wound up killing himself and it's just it's just so tragic and it just goes to show at the end of the day Number one, GMs, head coaches, VP of football operations, whoever. You got to do your due diligence whenever you're actually researching and you're investigating about said player that you're considering drafting. I don't care any round you're drafting them in, but you got to consider, you got to really investigate players to see who they truly, truly are. That's number one. Number two, I think that for Damon Arnett and for so many other players in this league, basketball, baseball, whatever, you got to ask yourself, man, which one do I want? Do I want to have a good life and a better life for me and my family members? Or do I still want to go and show everybody that I'm the biggest, baddest dude on the block? And when I say the block, I don't mean that figuratively. I mean that literally. So you got to ask yourself because you're not going to be able to do both. I can promise you that you're not going to be able to do both. So you got to make a decision. And whatever your decision is, that's your business. That's your choice. You're a grown man. You're over 21 years old. You can choose whatever you want. But just know this. Whatever choice you make, this is a free country, the United States of America. But it's not a free country. It's not a country free of consequences. And you go and you do something like that on social media. Oh, my goodness. I, my dad would have wrung my neck if I would have done something like that on social media. Thank God social media didn't exist much when I was playing. But even if I would have done something like that, my father would have wrung my neck. So it's just frustrating to see because that right there, and I hate to say this, but I have to say this. In this country, when you see all of the police brutality, you see all of the uh, all of the 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 inequality in the treatment of everybody from majority all the way to minority in this country. And this is why I'm going to say this. This is why whenever it's a police brutality on a minority, the reason why so many people are able to turn a blind eye to it is because in their mind, oh, well, I mean, Stan, you know, he's a criminal anyway. He, he, he had detention back in high school. So, you know, of course he probably did something wrong. That's why the cops did that to him. And all I'm simply saying is that Instagram post by Damon Arnett, and I'm not just simply just, just piling on him. I'm talking about in, in, as a euphemism, as a whole, that just gives people who are prejudiced, racist, that are judgmental, people that already want to judge you by the color of your skin, whether you're black, whether you're Latina, whether you're just a minority, whatever. You're just giving them more ammo to continue with the beliefs that they already have. So that's why I did not like that out of Damon Arnett, simply because you're just going and you're setting us back a little bit more each time because you're giving them more ammo to go ahead, judge you, prejudice, racist, all of that. But like I said, I'm already rambling. No, so not at all, back to you. you made a lot of great points. And like you said, it, I think it adds fuel to the fire when you see these type of videos. And, you know, Stan, you mentioned the Instagram video. I mean, NFL Network's Ian Rappaport, he also reported that Arnett crashed four rental cars last year within a month, within a month. Wow. You know, the 25-year-old, he's been on injured reserve since October the 9th. He's facing lawsuits stemming from a Las Vegas car accident last October. So the bottom line is this, Dan, with the 19th overall pick in last year's draft, 
he produced the following. 13 games, 7 starts, and 3 pass breakups. Let that sink in. And here's GM Mike Mayock on Arnett. Today we waived Damon Arnett. Um, Very painful decision. We spent significant time, effort, and resources trying to help him in all facets of his life. There have been a series of bad decisions over the last year or so, but we can't stand, we cannot stand for the video of Damon with a gun threatening to take a life. The content was unacceptable. Contrary to our values, and our owner, Mark Davis, has been very clear and very consistent that this is not how we will conduct ourselves in this community. The bottom line, the Raiders will not tolerate this type of behavior. On a personal note, I've talked to Damon, his dad, a couple others in his life, From my perspective, he's a very talented young man with a good heart. If he cleans up his life, I know he can make a living in the NFL. But not now with the Raiders. All right, Stan, that was Raiders GM Mike Mayock on why they released Damon Arnett. And you know what, Stan? I look at Henry Ruggs, and for all we know, Henry was a very good person who made a horrific and tragic decision. And then I look at Damon Arnett with all the decisions that he's made, and he just doesn't get it. I mean, Stan, you played eight years in the NFL, and the one thing that you always say on this podcast, it's not a right. It is a privilege yes. to play in the NFL. And you heard Mike Mayock. He still thinks Damon Arnett is a very talented football player, but it doesn't mean anything if he can't get his personal life together. No doubt about it. All right, Stan, looking ahead to Sunday, the Chiefs are two-and-a-half-point favorites over the Raiders, and I know you got and I talked about this off-camera. It's a head-scratcher to me. You say you get it, but look, if you want to wager on this game, then head to Bet Online. We're back and better than ever. A new web interface for the start of basketball season and more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season. Head to the new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BLEAV50 to receive your bonus. From basketball, football, NHL, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet online where the games start. Stan, I don't know if you saw this, but former NFL running back Frank Gore is scheduled to fight ex-NBA player Darren Williams. Oh, yeah, I saw that. Did you see that? I saw that. that. Mm-hmm. But I how saw about that. this? I read that Frank Gore actually turned down some overtures from NFL teams to come back because he wanted to get ready for this fight. I, mean, I thought Frank <laughs> Gore was going to play until he was in a wheelchair, man. <laughs> yeah, so did I. Uh, it just goes to show, you know, I think uh, he's ready to go ahead and do something else with his life. I think he's ready to go ahead and attack other ventures, try to go ahead and uh, accomplish other challenges, or should I say overcome other challenges. So, uh, yeah, I, I saw that just the other day. That's going to be a very interesting match because, like I said, Darren Williams, 
uh, Darren Williams grew up in the DFW Texas area. So to so to see him go from being an All Star level point guard in the NBA to now in the boxing ring, that's right. That, that's something that I'm interested in seeing exactly uh, how that's going to play out. Him versus Frank Gore, somebody that came out of my draft class, 2005. So I got a connection to both guys. Uh, I just want to see. Uh, I, I just want to see a good match. <laughs> All right, you mentioned this earlier, Stan. The Raiders signed veteran wide receiver Deshaun Jackson, who was recently released by the L.A. Rams. He turns 35 soon. And, Stan, I think it's pretty unrealistic to think he'll be an every-down player at this point of his career. I mean, you look at some of these numbers since opening day of 2018. He's averaged about 30 snaps a game. Uh, he had eight receptions for the Rams. And last year in five games with the Philadelphia Eagles, he caught 14 passes. I mean, those aren't huge numbers, but if you look at the average yards per catch, that's where the numbers really stand out. Well over yes. 27 yards to catch this year and just under 17 last year. And the newest member of the Raiders met with the media on Wednesday. You know, it's, it's really not about myself at this point. You know, playing playing this long, um, having a career like I've had. Um, just kind of fitting in a, in a situation where, you know, it's a winning culture. And, uh, you know, for me, I said the accolades, the stats are there, all that stuff is there. But, you know, I really want to win and, uh, you know, chase the Super Bowl. So, uh, like I said, I think it's a, it's a great fit here. I know it's, it's a lot of adversity going on, like you said, with the organization and things that's been here. But, you know, sometimes that's that's what builds character. You know, when, when people are always against you and going against you and thinking everything's bad, you know, it, it definitely shows what a group can do when they, you know, face adversity. So I think right now it's, it's the best time for everybody to gel together, come closer together, and really just, you know, make the best out of the situation. You know, you can't really change what's happened. But the best thing about life is you can always better yourself and move forward day in and day out. So I think, you know, that media really, you know, showed for me just being able to come in and be a veteran leader, being a veteran guy. And, you know, I'm not asking to get the ball 100 times. I'm not asking to play 100%. Whatever that role is that fits, you know, just let me play it to the best of my ability. So I said, I think that that was the biggest thing with the, with the conversation in that Zoom meeting. And them just kind of letting me know their expectations, what they expect from me. So I think, you know, after we met, we both kind of feel good about that, and it, and it definitely worked out. All right, Stan, you predicted this last week that uh, you thought the Raiders should go after him. Obviously, the two sides, it was mutual. Now well, we have a newest member of the Raiders, Deshaun Jackson. What do you think of the move? I think this move really is going to go ahead and pay dividends down the stretch because we can all see the Henry Ruggs. Obviously, he was more of a deep threat, somebody that could stretch the field. He he makes that safety have to go ahead and get out of his back pedal. They have to pay attention to that, and that frees up the guys like Edwards, Waller, across the middle, things like that. You know, so I think uh, they needed to fill that role of a deep threat, stretch the field type of guy, and it just – perfectly fell right into their hands where Deshaun Jackson wasn't exactly getting along or it seemed like they couldn't get on the same page to make things work in LA. And then all of a sudden he's now free. As soon as Henry Ruggs has his situation, he departs the team. So it's a perfect, uh, perfect setup for Deshaun Jackson to go ahead and come in. And I think he's going to make some plays. I think he still has something left in the tank. I don't think he's an every down guy, but I don't think that's what the Raiders are going to need him for. You need him to stretch the field. If you got a single coverage with him and a safety, Derek Carr, let it go. Deshaun Jackson, I believe he has the record for most, touchdown receptions of 50 yards or more in NFL history or some some uh, interesting stat like that. And like I said, I played against him, and he definitely knows how to get up the field. He has a knack 
for just getting past you. That's something I always remember, even from his days back at Cal and even going back to Long Beach Poly. So he just has a knack for it. He's about 5'9", maybe 180 on a good day. But nonetheless, he has a knack for knowing how to get open down the field, how to get past you and make big plays. All right, this is the 125th time the Raiders and Chiefs have met, dating all the way back to 1960 AFL days. Andy Reid, he's 13-3 and against the Raiders since taking the KC job in 2013. Last year, the two teams split with the Raiders outscoring the Chiefs by four points. Our next guest is very familiar with his rivalry. He played eight years with the Kansas City Chiefs from 1998 to 2005. He's one of the co-hosts of Chief Concerns podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. Let's welcome in Eric Winfield. Eric, thanks so much for joining us, man. Really appreciate you taking the time. Thanks for having me, fellas. Thanks for having me. All right. So the first thing is we know you played golf today and you hit them straight. I hit a few of them. You know, I had a couple of uh, double bogeys, but I ended up with four birdies today. So that's a surprise, big surprise for me. All right. So look, in your career, you had 20 interceptions and three pick sixes. I got to ask, how many times did you get the Raiders and were any of those pick sixes? Yeah, and uh, the the biggest of my career was the highlight of my career was uh, you know, like I, I was, grew up a, a Jerry Rice fan, and so first play lining up against him, um, I, I don't I think it was the very first play of the game, and Rich Gannon comes my way with a quick slant, I jumped in front, take it to the house, couldn't believe it. And you played with Rich also during his days at Kansas City, correct? Did yes. I mean, I was already shocked just because I, you know, I grew up a fan of Jerry's. Didn't didn't imagine myself playing against him or with him. And all of a sudden, I'm over there just shaking and, and not realizing it's about to come my way. And just so happens, I was prepared for the moment. Good stuff. Hey, when you were playing uh, during your days with the Chiefs, what was uh, Raider Week like for you guys? Man, it was the 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 toughest week ever because I didn't really quite understand the history of it. Um, and there was some bad blood, I guess, throughout the history of this this, this little rivalry. Yep. Um, and when you try doing things that you've done normally throughout the weeks of, of, of football, and the coach or somebody that's been a, uh, that's just on the staff kind of corrects you, and listen, and then they're like, "Hey, this is not that time. You know, this is Raider Week. This is what we focus in." Um, so the the entire stadium is like it's like a dark cloud is over us. Everybody's that like in that kind of a mood. Uh, to where that was that was a game that we had to concentrate and be ready to, to win uh, because there was just no love for the Raiders. <laughs> Stan, what was what was Chiefs week like for the Raiders when you played? It's probably the same thing E-Dub said. Uh, obviously, like I said, there's a lot of bad blood, I believe. I'm not sure on this, but I think the Chiefs and the Raiders are one of the oldest rivalries, at, number one in the AFC, but number two also in the league. Uh, I'm not sure if it's the oldest. I think press probably Packers and Bears. I think so, But yeah. uh, definitely, I think, longer than the Raiders Chargers and I think longer than the Raiders Broncos. So, like I said, it, it, so it, it's very deep. That's number one. You know, both teams have had their wins throughout the course of time, things like that. But I remember going into those games, it was always a different type of feel. Going to Arrowhead, man, it gets loud in Arrowhead. Yeah. Uh, that's number one. And I know that for me, my first career – my first career pick six was against the Chiefs, 2010. Really? <laughs> I believe I believe the Chiefs were probably the team I had the most INTs against. And one of my right. good friends, uh, Dwayne Bo, he was a, he was their receiver there for many years. First round pick out of LSU, all of that. And me and him would go at it all the time. So, like I said, I definitely remember those days. 
it is a fierce rivalry and yeah. i've been on both sides of the rivalry so i know exactly how it feels and it's definitely no other week in a raider uniform like chiefs week because hey like i said i'm not a historian completely so i don't know how it started the bad the bad blood but man i can tell you it is it is very serious for the fan bases quick story for you guys and eric i know this is probably going to be a painful memory for you but last game of the 1999 season i'm working for cnn sports and we cover the chiefs raiders all the chiefs got to do is win and they win the division and the seahawks were back in the in the afc west back in those days the chiefs get off like a i don't know 17 nothing 21 nothing lead and the place is going crazy. I'm thinking to myself, man, the Raiders can't even be competitive against the Chiefs. I mean, Kansas City just owns the Raiders. <laughs> and I'm like, unbelievable. So the Raiders come back. It's Rich Gannon. Game goes to overtime. And I remember I'm down on the field. It's the loudest venue I've ever been in. I'm down on the field talking to my reporter. I can't hear him or myself because that place is so loud. And the Raiders actually win in overtime, 41-38. to 38. Joe Dandy kicks a game-winning field goal. And we go up to Charles Woodson to get a one-on-one -on -one with him. Now, Charles is just in his second year. He, first thing he says to us, we congratulate him on the victory. He says, if we ain't going to the playoffs, they ain't going to the playoffs either. <laughs> and that's when I was like, wow, Charles Woods. I mean, he, you could just, the way he said it, you could just feel the rivalry just with him saying that, just his mentality, just everything. And I think the Seahawks ended up going to the playoffs that year at nine and seven. Yeah, that, that's crazy. Like, that's the thing back so long. And when I tell people that the, the Seahawks were in our conference, they don't believe it. Like, because like, they yeah. think they've always been in the NFC. Uh -huh. like, no, I started out when they were AFC West. <laughs> so, Eric, all right. So, I'm sure you've been asked this a million times. And Stan and I were just talking about it because the Chiefs are two and a half point favorites over the Raiders. You, you know, we've watched Kansas City on TV. I know they're five and four. They got a two game winning streak. But, Eric, from, from the naked eye, what is going on with their offense? It's nothing like we've seen in the previous two, three years. To me, it seems like it's something. Um, deeper than we can imagine. And I don't know what, and, and it's starting with the coaching staff. Um, and I hate to put my opinion out there, but basically what I was thinking is that things have kind of been off with the chiefs since Andy Reid's um, son had the collision before the Super Bowl, And so mentally, like he hasn't been on the right track ever since the team hasn't been on the track on the right track ever since. And I think they went in there a little bit overconfident just because of the way we played the, the, the Buccaneers, the game before. Thanksgiving and weekend. Yes. And so just, you're going in way overconfident, thinking that you don't have to, you know, do all the necessary things. And 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 yet Tampa's already given you a bring it, make, coming up with a brand new game plan for you. And on top of this, your son is in a critical situation. Your other son, you know, God forbid. Uh, I remember. Suicide years before. Mm -hmm. Right. And so you're dealing with these family issues as a coach. And it kind of, I think it kind of leaks out into the coaching staff. And now it's like, you know, uh, coming into this season, we haven't been on track yet. Um, and, you know, you know how the commentators, they, they, they jinx you with certain things. And when we played that Cleveland game, the first thing they said was Patrick Mahomes hasn't lost in September. Patrick Mahomes hasn't yeah. thrown an interception in September. All of a sudden, all of that's out the door. He's, he's lost. He's thrown many interceptions. And I think right now, this, the, um, the, the, the criticism that he's taken has taken effect. And the, the, two, the, the two games beforehand, we had a, a, a drive going down the field. And it was short routes, short routes, short routes. They don't, we don't like that as an offense. We like chunks. And so it takes away from who he really is. And all of a sudden, he tries to make a play, 
jumping and throwing the ball and he threw it too hard and it became an interception. And so now he's shook mentally and he, he's not himself. He's not making the plays he normally makes. He's not as accurate. He doesn't have that confidence. And that's kind of spread throughout the team. And especially with the way our defense is playing or has played uh, to where it was like, you know, the offense can always get us back. Well, now if the defense is playing back mm -hmm. bad and the offense can't get us back, you know, we're just a mediocre team now. Now, E-Dub, I'm glad that you mentioned that you guys like chunk plays. Y'all don't really like the short game, the quick game, things like that. Now, I want you to go ahead and follow me because I have a long-winded question that I want to ask you. Okay. You play DB just like I did, and you already know there's more than there's multiple ways to skin a cat from a defensive from a defensive back from a defensive mindset. You can either play man coverage, get up in their face, challenge them. You can play zone, go ahead, back off, make them to go ahead and throw the underneath routes and force them to go the long hard way, which is a nine, ten, twelve play drive of a six yard pass, a three yard run, things like that, and to see if they actually have the stability, they have the mental fortitude, they have the discipline to be able to do that. And I say it like this. Last year, week five, Raiders played the Chiefs, Arrowhead Stadium. They were able to go ahead and come up with a victory. I believe it was Eric Harris was able to go ahead and come up with a few interceptions in that game. Uh, Pat Mahomes, a couple of his balls sailed at the last second. They were able to seal the victory. So then they go, they blast the Tampa Bay Buccaneers Thanksgiving weekend. I believe, what, Tariq Hill had like 200 receiving yards in like the, first, yeah, like the first quarter or something like that. So then, guess what? Tampa Bay comes back. They now have a different game plan. And to me, and I want to know your thoughts on this. Tampa Bay decided, okay, we're going to play cover two. We're not going to give you the chunk plays. We're going to make you go the long, hard way. Also, adding in, we all know Andy Reid, as great of an offensive coordinator, as great of a play caller as he is, his one Achilles heel, if he has one, he abandons the run game. He did it a whole lot in Philadelphia, has done it at times in Kansas City. And I think Tampa Bay took on the mindset of, we're going to take away your right arm, or should I say your right hand? We're going to make you play left-handed the entire game. And you know what? If you're able to beat us with your left hand, we're going to tip our hat. We're going to hand it over to you. We saw Tampa Bay blasted Kansas City. Pat Mahomes, I believe, is his first game never throwing a touchdown. And I think that blueprint is what started what we're now seeing. You saw the Giants on Monday Night Football. They take away the deep ball. They force you to go the long, hard way. And I think because of Pat Mahomes being as physically gifted as he is, and he, he's a Texas guy, so you, I ride with my Texas boys. Because of that, he came in 2018 MVP. 2019, they stubbed it to a little bit. They go get it together in the playoffs, win the Super Bowl. 2020, they're balling again, losing the Super Bowl. So he hit this league ground running right away. Took the league by storm. One thing that one of my homeboys always taught me, the league catches up to you sooner or later. And so what I'm asking you, do you think that possibly that could also be part of the reason why it seems like the Chiefs and why it seems like something is just missing from last year, the teams are now starting to play them different and they're forcing Pat Mahomes to be a methodical, I'm not going to say game manager because he's definitely not that, but more methodical with going down the field incrementally rather than those big chunk plays. You know what? It is possible, but the, the, the thing that I've noticed uh, more so is if we, if things hadn't happened with Kareem Hunt, we got a solid yeah. running back, a mm -hmm. solid young running back. Good point. Where if you can adjust and make those same 
uh, defensive stances against our passing game, we still have a solid running game we can count on. Ever since then, we haven't had that. We've been like running back by committee. And nobody that we that, that's just a solid downhill guy. Um, so having that, and we, you know, we bring in CEH, he does a decent job. I'm not gonna say he's, he's done well, but he does a decent job, but not good enough to where a defense has to be concerned about him. You know, if you don't have the front line to really give you a, a, a run, uh, a downhill force, then you know, he's not gonna be able to produce and, and give us access to make the plays that we've been known to make. And with that being said, if you take away Tariq Hill, take away Kelsey, we really have nothing. Yes. You know, a lot uh-huh. of our, guys, our, our our third, second and third uh, receivers, they've done well at times, but Patrick is too keen in on Tariq Hill and, and Kelsey. And these guys here, you know, either way you look at it, those guys want to want to get their numbers. Uh, whether we win or lose, it's, it's going to come down to, hey, you know, I'm the guy. I need these catches. I need these throws. And when you sit there and you try to force these throws and they're not available and you're not, you're not accustomed to going to these second and third receivers, I, I hate to say it, you know, but I, lo- I look at a lot of his dropbacks and if his first option isn't open, that's when he bails out of the pocket. And yeah. he's, he's made so many plays on the run, whether he's going left or right to where he still thinks that's a part of his game. And it's really not now because if somebody's going to double Kelsey and they're going to double Tariq Hill, you're not even thinking about looking at those other guys. And now you're forcing throws that you're not, that you really haven't been uh, forcing in the past and you've been more accurate with it. And so now I think it's just mentally, he's just out of it. And for whatever reason, he's got to find a way to get back in the game. Eric, let me ask you this. I want to go over to the other side of the football if we could. And I, I know the Chiefs defense has also been kind of an Achilles heel so far. Now they have played better the last couple of weeks against the Giants yeah. and the Packers. If, if I'm the Raiders offense, what am I looking to exploit uh, on that side of the football? I mean, our front seven is going to give you the most pressure. Chris Jones is doing a good job, but it's just him as, as, as a one-man unit. Um, you know, we've added Ingram, but, you know, I think San Diego got the best of Ingram in his year. So yeah. that's why he wasn't productive at Pittsburgh. And, I, you know, I didn't think he did enough for us in the first game back. It was only first, his first week, though. Our secondary isn't what they've been in the past and, you know, take nothing from Tyron Matthew. He's a playmaker. He's not a cover guy. Um, I've always and, said that. Yeah. He's just a playmaker. So, and we, we put him in coverage way too much one-on-one. Heck, he's been in coverage on some of the best receivers. Uh, and that's, that's not a good position to put him in. And then, you know, we, we've, Dan Soren is just mentally done. I think he's taken so much heat from game <laughs> yeah. one to whatever game we're in right now to where, there's nothing you can do to get his confidence back. And it's every game he's given up play, play after play after play. And the rest of our secondary is decent. So if, if, if the Raiders are able to stay, you know, Carr is still able to make the plays he's been making. You know, he's lost a good receiver in rugs, but he's got a lot of playmakers, great tight end and some other key units on that offense. Uh, they can make the plays. That's why they, you know, we split the difference usually in the last few years on wins. Yep. Um, but they're going through turmoil right now. You lose your coach, you lose one of your DBs, you lose your receiver, and you lost a game that you should have won last week. Yes. So for whatever excuses that they have right now, they're in turmoil, and, and they got to find a way to get themselves back because they're a really, really good team that shouldn't be sitting here where they're sitting. And it's, it's the same for the Chiefs. Edub, let me ask you this. Now, amid all this Damon Arnett news that just came out with the Instagram post of him having, I, I don't even know what kind of gun it was, but, you know, him basically telling the guy, hey, pull up and, you know, yeah. I'll, you know, bang, bang, shoot him up with you. Like, 
and I've already, like me and DA have already talked about this. Give me your thoughts as a former player, as a former black player, and just as a black man, how that comes off to you seeing the Damon Arnett post with the Instagram, the gun, things like that, and just knowing everything that's transpired for such a young man at a young age squandering this opportunity. It's so tough nowadays because social media is so big. It's, it's basically a part of our life. Yeah. No matter how we look at it, we don't want to see certain comments about us. We don't, we try to avoid uh, certain things, but yet social media, either way we look at it, it's a part of our life. And I think that in the position that he's in, um, you can't let someone uh, basically tick you off like that. Same thing would happen to Tyron Matthew when he comes at a guy on Twitter. Yeah. You know, basically our fans. Right. You know, as, as a professional athlete, we have to be careful with what we say. When you hit that send button, it's viral no matter what. You can't take it back. You know, when you, when you hit that record button to respond to somebody, you know, I got these guns and I'm, you know, I'm ready for this action. It's viral already. You know, you basically basically ruined your career. Um, and for somebody that's come from, I don't know where his background, I don't know if he's, you know, single parent from the hood, what. But you don't put that on display when you're on that type of uh, podium. Um, you know, for one, you're never going to see that kind of money again. Two, uh, that's probably the end of your career. And, and three, like, you know, just because you want to be tough and show people that you have guns and you're ready to defend yourself, it, it just sucks, you know, and especially as a black man, because, shit, you know, you know, we've come a long ways to get to, to this yeah. position, you know, to be a professional athlete, that's a small percentage of people. Um, but to let it go the way he's, you know, that he's done, you know, and, and, and I, I feel for rugs in his situation too, but the whole uh, Arnett situation that was just a, you know, you can't even have your friends post something like that. Just avoid it. You know? Right. Right. All right, Eric, we're going to get you out of here on this one. We need a prediction from you. What are you thinking on Sunday night? Uh-oh, E-Dub. Uh-oh. So with, so with all the turmoil that you guys are going through and the, and the crappy play that we've been playing, <laughs> I, still, I still think my Chiefs win 24-17. 24-17. All right. Okay. There you have it, Raider Nation. And I'm sad to say I would not be surprised if that is the outcome. I hope it's not, but I'm so sad to say I, I, I wouldn't be surprised at all if that was the outcome. Wouldn't yeah. be surprised that one bit. <laughs> All right. I'm, I think the Raiders are going to bounce back this week. I do. Stan, you and I talked about it. I thought they were definitely primed for a loss last week against the Giants. And uh, I do think they bounce back. I don't know what the score is. The Raiders never blow anybody out, so I'm sure it'll be a close game. Play a lot of close ones. Eric, man, really appreciate you jumping on with Stan and I for the podcast. Yeah, it was great you, stuff. Big fan, man. Let me know whenever y'all want me to come on. I'm, I love this. Well, oh, we got we'll one do. more. We got we'll one do, more in yeah. December. We got exactly. one more in December, yeah. so we're definitely going to have you back yeah, Come on. back in, in December, please, <laughs> man. Eat <laughs> up. Hey, man, good luck to you. Hey, Thank you hey, very much, a, man. ATX or AZ, let me know which one. I will do that. <laughs> Be good, man. Thank you, brother. You All too. Right. All right, Stan, it's that time. We're going to pick some AFC West games this week. It's really interesting, Stan. Every game involving an AFC West team this week is a two-and-a-half-point spread. Uh, we talked about the Chiefs Raiders. We'll get to that one last. You picked the Broncos last week. I, I don't know how yeah. the heck you predicted that for them to come up with a road win over Dallas. And that wasn't just – that was – I mean – That was a shellacking. That was. Yes, thank that you. That was. They're at home against the Eagles. I mean, they've beaten all three uh, NFC East teams this season. I don't see why they don't make it 4-0. They're two-and-a-half-point favorites, and, and I like the Broncos at home. I do. 
Yes, I definitely do as well. And I think that, you know, obviously, when you look at how they trade away Von Miller, a lot of people think, okay, they're in full full uh, re- rebuild mode. And maybe they are. But you know what? Somebody did not tell the players that. Because apparently, like, they're still fighting like they have a chance. And trust me, they do in the AFC West. Everybody right now has five wins in the AFC West. And we're going into week 10 right now. So it's still anybody's division. So I would not at all count out the Denver Broncos. Obviously, their offense is not as prolific as the Raiders. It's not as prolific as the Chargers. It's not as prolific as we damn sure know it ain't as prolific as what the Chiefs' potential is. But... Because Denver still has a stout defense that's going to keep them in a lot of games. Vic Fangio, I remember so many years of him coaching, being the defense coordinator for the 49ers, for the Bears. And so you see where a lot of players who have had their best years under his tutelage, that's why Denver is always going to be a threat. Not because Teddy Bridgewater is going to go out there and fling the ball around the field 50 times a game. Not because of that, but because their defense is going to keep them in games. And even though Teddy Teddy Bridgewater is more of a game manager, you still have Judy. You still have Fant. You still got Cortland Sutton, who just went to the Pro Bowl a couple years ago. So you got playmakers. Melvin Gordon over there in the backfield. So you have playmakers on that field. So to have the Denver Broncos put up the type of performance that they did against the Dallas Cowboys just on Sunday afternoon, it's not surprising to me. Now, if they go and put it all together and do that for the rest of the season, the consistency, that would be a little bit eye-raising, but they have talent, so they're still going to be a viable threat in this AFC West. I don't know why, but I find this a very intriguing matchup, and it's the Minnesota Vikings at L.A. Chargers. Uh, oh, LA's it is. Two, L.A.'s a two-and-a-half-point favorite, and Stan, I don't know why for some reason – I'm not trying to be biased. I, I, I like the Vikings on the road. I can't tell you why. It's just a gut feeling that I have. I'm like, Minnesota is so up and down. They're so streaky. But for some reason, I just feel like they're going to put it together uh, against the Chargers, and they're going to knock them off in their own backyard on Sunday. Because you saw what Minnesota just did, almost did, to the Baltimore Ravens just on Sunday afternoon. In the week before that, they should have beat the Dallas Cowboys, the Dak Prescott list Dallas right. Cowboys. But and you saw, I think it was week two, Minnesota had Arizona wrapped up. Yeah, they did. And let them out of their grass. So Minnesota, obviously, their record is not what uh Coach Zimmer would want it to be, but they're a good team. They still have good players on both sides of the ball. You got pro bowlers on both sides of the ball. So I would not be surprised if Minnesota pulls out this victory against the Los Angeles Chargers. And I think that. Because the Chargers have so much offensive firepower, what people have to remind themselves is as great as Justin Herbert is, because I think the world of the kid, he's only in his second year. And whenever you're dealing with a young quarterback, talented, but young, they're going to have some stinkers of a game. They're going to have some games where they go out there and they just simply don't play well because they have not watched enough football. They have not been under center for enough games with enough experience to be to where, okay, you know what? There is no defense that I have not seen. I know how to go ahead and operate under pressure. I know how to go ahead and operate under cover four, cover three, one robber, two rat, things like that. And so that's why the LA Chargers seem like they're kind of up and down. They have a good game, then they have a bad one. That's why. But nonetheless, uh, I could very well easily see the Chargers winning that game. I also could very well see Kirk Cousins pulling Minnesota to a victory. Last one, the Chiefs and the Raiders. We gave our predictions earlier when we were talking with uh, Eric Winfield. But, Stan, you brought up something. Uh, you just mentioned something. And I-, I tweeted this out after the Raiders lost to the Giants. I said, look, it, this is the NFL. 
It is a marathon. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, it's, 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 I know people week to week, they just want to, um, you know, overreact. Oh, yeah. Everybody overreacts. Right? Look, Derek Carr has been fantastic this season. And I admit he was awful on Sunday. It happens. It's the NFL. You're going to have bad games. Yep. Nobody could have predicted the Broncos beating the Cowboys. Nobody really could have predicted the Giants beating the Raiders, although you and I did talk about it. And there was one other upset that I'm <laughs> Nobody could on. have predicted the Jags and the Bills. Thank you, right? The Jags beat. It happens. <laughs> it's the NFL. Yeah. It is a marathon. It's like there's such overreaction. And I know you tweeted, uh, you texted me one thing, and you're like, look, it, this is what the fan base fears with Derek Carr. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I just think it's one game. I just think it's an aberration. He has played so well this year, Stan. I don't think it's going to snowball. I do think the Raiders are going to bounce back, and I do think they're going to beat the Chiefs uh, Sunday night. I very much hope that they beat the Chiefs on Sunday night. Matter of fact, I'm going to be actually at that game, doing a few alumni things at the game at Legion Stadium on Sunday night. I definitely want to see them win. There's no doubt about that, Dennis. Where it gives me cause to pause is because, like what I text you on Sunday, is when you talk to Raider fans, everybody really, really likes Derek Carr because they see what he can do. He was a MVP candidate back in 2016. They went 12 and four, went to the playoffs. But like I said, he got hurt against Indianapolis Colts. Everything torpedoed after that. So everybody knows that Derek Carr has the ability. It's just, it seems like just when you get to the point to where you know he's going to play good this weekend, that'll be the game where he has a little bit of a pedestrian type of performance. He throws an interception or two. So just to the point of where you feel like him playing well is as automatic as Monday coming after Sunday or the sun rises in the east and sets in the west, Right. that'll be the day where he'll go and he'll, he'll have a little bit of a stinker just to the point to where you feel like him playing well is not something that you can just stamp it like you can in Aaron Rodgers, the Tom Brady, things like that. But to your point, I think he's going to bounce back. I think the Oakland, I'm sorry, the Las Vegas Raiders, I'm still, I still say Oakland from time to time. I think that, uh, I think they're going to bounce back, but this is a monumental game. You've had the exit from John Gruden. You've had the exit with Henry Ruggs. Now you have the exit of Damon Arnett. So you're you're dealing with distraction after distraction. This is Sunday night football. You big game. This is for the division lead. Notwithstanding whatever's going to happen with the Chargers and the Vikings. If you want to go and you want to start to make your playoff push, it is week 10. You want to start to make your playoff push. Starts on Sunday. You got to go ahead and beat the Chiefs. And you have to look at how the Chiefs have been playing all season. It has seemed like something is missing. The Giants should have beat them. Somehow, some way, Giants let them out of their grasp. You see so many times where the Chiefs are just finding ways to win. Green Bay could have beat them, even with Jordan Love. And they found a way. You cannot fall victim to that same past two teams that have fallen victim to the Chiefs because you do not want to get behind this team because you have to go ahead and assume sooner or later, you have to assume this offense, this team is going to get back hot again. And you don't want to be playing catch up. You want them to be catching up to you. All right. You'll be there Sunday. I'll be there the following Sunday when the Raiders host the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, Stan, St. Thomas High School, who you got this weekend? Oh, actually, we have a bye this weekend. Uh, We uh, have Yes, we have we have a playoff by. I know how weird that sounds in high school football, but yes, uh, uh, we've already finished our regular season play. Uh, we are in the playoffs. This week is the 
first round of the playoffs, so let's say the wild card round, and we have a first round bye. And so whoever wins out of Concordia Lutheran and Dallas Bishop Lynch this weekend will be playing the winner of that game next Saturday, November 20th. So uh, so get a chance to go ahead and sit back and kind of watch, scope out the scene a little bit this weekend. And you got a uh, buy for your college games until Thanksgiving, yes. correct? <laughs> yes. So uh, I'm, I'm trying to go ahead and soak up as much of this as I can because I know that real soon it's going to be right back to work. You know what? Let's hope next week's podcast is just all about football. No off the field news. I we're hope We're going to so. talk strictly what is happening on the field, my man. Please, from your mouth to God's ears, please, Dennis. I hope that's the case. All right. Well, anyways, another great podcast, my friend. Yes. Uh, likewise, man. Love doing this. Can't wait till next week. Got another one. All right. That's going to do it for another edition of the Believe in Raiders podcast presented by BetOnline.ag. My partner, Stanford Route. I'm Dennis Ackerman. Thanks so much for listening. And may all your punts find the coffin corner. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.